You're listening to PodcastJuice.net. Barbershop in Minneapolis, March 25th, 2010. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm all booked up today. Now, you you next. I'm doing Prince's here right now. You na- you after him. Uh, now, Prince, you mind if we turn the TV on for a minute? I want to listen to the news. I don't care. All right, baby. Good morning, Minnesota. This is News with Aaron Reacock in the morning. Now, Prince, I'm going to go ahead and put this uh, hot air dryer on your head while I'm watching my news. All right. Good morning, Minnesota. This is Aaron Reencock. And in money news today, hometown hero Prince Rogers Nelson finds himself in a little internet mix-up. Apparently, his site, lotusflower.com, charged customers another year $77 when some of them actually opted out of the subscription. I guess this is a little case oh, no, of money really mattering tonight. <laughs> we'll have more on this story later. Uh-huh. Coming up, results in Tony uh-huh. Mosley's run for mayor. Turn this off. I'm going to get to the bottom of this right now. Where's Prince at? He's over here. Turn this damn thing off. Hold on. Prince, what is going on with this website? My grandbaby signed, but I know you ain't taking her money. I don't have time for your bullshit. What do you want? What do I want? You better watch your mouth, boy. You've been coming here since you was 18. I'll lodge my foot up in the back of your ass. Now, first thing is, these are people working hard to pay this money to listen to this thing on this on this old internet thing. And you don't, it's not right for you to do that. You need to get them people that they money. You know what I'm saying? That's life, man. Life my ass, motherfucker. Life? Life? That was the movie with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. This ain't life, son. This is people's money. You want to talk about life? Well, what about, what about this? What about purple and gold? Fuck off! Oh, no, you didn't. You better sit your ass back down in this seat. You ain't going no way. Matter of fact, I'm going to cut all your hair off. Because you don't come in Maybelline's shop talking crazy. Johnny, hold him down. And matter of fact, go in and lock the door. He ain't going nowhere. Lay off that. Yeah, we're going to show you something, right? I was thinking about Prince in the 80s. And... Like, nowadays, there's so many collaborations going on with different artists. And even in the 80s, obviously, what more collaboratory could it have been when they did We Are The World and and, and different things of that nature. But I always felt like Prince may have missed a little bit by being so um, isolated, it seemed, from the rest of the musical uh, environment, his peers. Now, behind the scenes, he may not have been. But to me, as a consumer, a fan, it would be unheard of if, like, and I didn't know this, it would have been unheard of if Prince did that song with Michael Jackson, right? Like, if right. they would have been oh. did bad, I would have been crazy. The fact that I, and I'm glad I did not know about that <laughs> during that time, because that would have blown my mind as well. Yeah. I just never would have factored it in. But I started thinking, like, and what made me think about this, I was thinking about Stevie Wonder, I don't know why I was thinking about Stevie Wonder and Prince. Um, and I recently seen a picture and it was all these different appearances of Michael Jackson in Stevie Wonder that I sort of remember. I'm like, man, Mike was always with other people or, you know, he was sort of affiliated with people or did work with other people. Um, and even other artists of that time, you always see them sort of out there, whether it's on the awards or it was always performances with other artists. But, it, but in your mind, at least my mind, I always pictured prince had nothing to do with anybody else even his music was 
it just sounded so different from everybody else's, which was a good thing. But and that's why I liked him. But I was like, I was thinking about his older records, and then I was thinking of um, the newer ones, kind of like Thirty One Twenty One and all that stuff. And where it almost, if it wasn't him singing, I would have figured it just sounded like the rest of the crap that was out there. And so my question is, dial it back. What do you think the effects of Prince's career would have been if he had done uh, um, We Are the World, if he had have done bad with Michael Jackson? Do you think he would have been uh, more, do you think he would be more out there in terms of like now he's, obviously everybody knows who he is, but it's almost as if I start to feel like his legacy is sort of being forgotten. And that's a lot of it is his choice, but. I'll go ahead. Just the first part of the question. I, I, I don't think so. I, I mean, we're the world. It was kind of a, I guess a document of its time, but you ask a lot of people who's on there. And a lot of people don't know who's on there. And Michael, well, and, they uh, know Michael. They well, remember but, Bruce, but Bruce they Springsteen. Uh, but they, know, they know the icons. Right. That's what I mean. I mean, but the they, was they know, they know them anyway. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like, he didn't really need to do it. I think he, he should have done it from a PR standpoint, but in his mind and his ego and his everything else at the time, it was something that he didn't need to do. Uh, as far as like, you know, collaboration with the other artists, you mentioned Michael. Think, think though, Michael had a lot of downtime in between, you know, thriller, bad, bad to dangerous. Prince had no downtime. When, you know, when was he not working, you know, from what, 83 to about 88 was just, you know, touring, recording, touring, recording, touring, recording. Yeah, but I, I would just throw in there, though. I mean, let's go to Purple Rain, Round the World in a Day. And then he was gone from, I mean, to me as a consumer, it seemed as if he disappeared after Raspberry Beret. And then we saw him with Kiss. Well, it's because he didn't do videos. Well, well okay, right. But so I'm saying, so with Kiss, even though I, I didn't know and at the I time he's mad active. Bigger. He's not really seen. Uh, he doesn't have any hits. He had Kiss. And then he just, to us, not maybe to Europe, he seemed to disappear. <laughs> well, he was filming uh, uh, Under the Cherry Moon at that time. Yeah. Well, yeah. right, but I'm saying is, in comparison to Michael Jackson being gone, Michael Jackson dominated, whether he's in the studio or not, his presence was the presence. He was still the man through all that period, even though he didn't put nothing new out. I'm just saying with Prince... How I remember it, after Kiss, he sort of disappeared to me until Zion of Times came out. So he, even though he's obviously doing all these tours and whatever, recording up the yin yang, it doesn't come out to well, us. Well, I, I don't know. I think he disappeared because of the flop that Under the Cherry Moon was, because he obviously didn't promote it. Uh, typically, you know, movie comes out, you do the talk shows, you do whatever. I mean, I know he didn't do talk shows so, back then. So they, but, that's what I'm saying. He isolated him, so he doesn't do anything. I guess that's part of my question. Like, what if his presence was gone a lot and then he would show up and either it hit it or it didn't? But go ahead. I'm interrupting you. No, no, no. I think I think that helped. I I think even now when he showed up, uh, what award show was it that he showed up on not too long ago? Just walked and Twitter blew up. Dude just walked out on stage. I mean, that's you know, that was that was the effect back then because he let the music speak for itself versus then, you know, because we know now when he gives interviews, sometimes you're like, what are you talking about, dude? Well, I, I, you know, <laughs> sometimes I don't understand what he says. Back then, it was like, you want to know about me, put on Parade or put on Silent Times or, you know, 
whatever. So I, I think that him not being out there helped his presence, if that makes any sense. Because when he showed up somewhere, it was a big deal. I, I'm sorry, I have to disagree with that. Okay. The reason why Michael Jackson was became the phenom that it was is that he promoted himself. He, I mean, he had an out what Thriller hit in '83, and right. he got so much work off of that for two years, putting out the videos and the touring. Bad hit in '87, and he got two years worth of material out of that from the videos and the performances. To me, the problem with Prince was, you know, he he didn't like to do videos. And all if he had just came out with creative, good videos, which at the time that's what that's what it took oh, to yeah. sell music. Mm-hmm. He could have he could have. Um, here's the album. Here's the movie. Here's four videos, and I could have sustained him for a year, year and a half. Yeah, I mean, but, he could have he could have did Silent Times for two years easy, but he got bored and you know moved on within six months of the album coming out. That was a blessing. His productivity is a blessing and a curse. Yes, I agree, hundred yeah. percent. I, don't yeah. know. But, uh, I think I think ahead. a lot of it though with uh, with Mike at that time um, because it's when Thriller first came out the first single was "The Girl Is Mine" and that died a horrible death <laughs> and then <clears throat> we all know when Motown hit That's horrible, it it just came out and you know it was all synchronicity and it just blew up huge and then what kind of derailed him though after all of the press from the from the album was that victory tour. That's where Michael, you know, got ripped, ripped into some bullshit. So when Bad came out, he's like, look, I'm going everywhere. He essentially did Bad the tour like he would have done Thriller the tour and took it everywhere, whereas with Victory, he didn't want to do it. It was bullshit. It was a giant cluster from day one, and he felt, again, I'm not, I don't want to speak for him, but to me it looks like he felt he owed his fans more than that. So when he went, went on and did bad, he just took it everywhere and kept it going for the whole those two years. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, again, and I and I don't like to make it sound like I'm not saying one is better than the other or whatever, but I have to keep in mind Michael Jackson is a beast. Like he is. The stuff he was doing <laughs> at that time yeah. is just it's not a comparison. Prince, what he's doing at that time is no comparison either. But I think that Again, we're you know I'm comparing Michael, a guy who's been in the game his life from a kid, was a star when he was a kid, and he's still the man, and even just reinventing himself. Versus Prince is this is his first time really sort of stepping out from basically the chitlin circuit and and becoming <laughs> sort of the mainstream you know I don't know, you know becoming a mainstream pop icon, just starting to get into the upper echelons of the game, uh, and he's just been doing the you know, doing the ground, you know, grind work, doing those tours and all those albums and, you know, that sort of stuff. So on one hand, kind of hard to compare them, but at a point they become sort of the dominant sort of dudes with, with Madonna. But I just feel like Prince, I understand his mysteriousness part is a part of what makes him what he is. But on some points, I think that it sort of hindered him too. Just he was his own worst. He was his own worst. Own, yeah. 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 Honestly, he was. Cause there's no, I understand he wants to he wants to be uh, private to himself, but let's let's be honest. Michael Jackson did interviews, but did we really know him? He let you know what he wanted you to know. No, yeah, exactly. So yeah, but we, did, we we knew enough of him to feel like we related to him, because you know, I like for me again, uh, one of the greatest things he put out was the making of Thriller, and yeah, that showed yeah. Michael 
behind the scenes. That, that was the most fascinating. I used to watch that over and over again. I used to watch when he was in the thing with Michael Peters and they were practicing the dancing. I was like, this guy's for real. Like, he's putting in work. He's, he's phenomenal. I was like, this is a real guy. Like, I want to see him win. You know, I was like, I identify with this guy versus Prince. I could only have dreamed if he would have put something out like that. But I just saw him every time you saw him, he was on. You know, you never see him not being the man and not working hard. It was just always the show, which I adore that as well. But it's sort of like you don't relate to him. I related to him through the lyrics and his music. Yeah, but in terms well, of could what you relate saw, to Madonna? But we knew well, enough about in her. The, well, I wasn't in the. I couldn't relate to Madonna. But that's. I, but go ahead. Your, your point is. Go ahead. I couldn't relate to Michael Jackson myself. I mean, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed his solo work. I really enjoyed Off the Wall. But the Jackson Five stuff when I was little, that didn't that didn't resonate with me. I didn't give a damn. Okay. And converse. I'm sorry. <laughs> conversely, <laughs> Prince, when he came out. I didn't really think much about him until Dirty Mind. And I'm like, okay, he's doing something that no one's doing. And that's what got my attention to Prince. Now, as far as working with Mike, if had they done bad, keep in mind when Mike was doing those collaborations, people came to Mike to get that rub. Prince is like, damn that. I'm my own cat. I don't want Michael's rub. I'm going to do my own thing because he's that competitive. Mm-hmm. Now, in the we are the world, I mean, you had your icons, yeah, but you also had Kim Carnes. Really? Betty Davis eyes for thirty seconds. Get out of here. Well, you had <laughs> Sheila E too, though. Sheila E is not. A, Sheila e, she's which, in the background with Randy yeah. Jackson. Well, no, but I'm just saying she's up there, and, and I'm sure she didn't go up there on her own. Like I would imagine, he, she didn't get to go on there because unless he said it was cool. Dan Aykroyd was there too, man. So yeah, a lot of people didn't well, need to be there. Yeah, you know. I mean, but and I know I'm we're I'm we're '80s guys, so I'm talking about something that was very relevant to that time as opposed to now. Oh, yeah. But that's when Prince's hate. I feel like he should have been on there because the backlash from that, I think it did affect how the game viewed him and how he did or didn't get awards or the perception of him. He was like, oh, this guy's yeah, he's a prima donna be. asshole. Fuck him. We're not going to give him all the accolades because he ain't a part of the game. Like he and wants to be ridiculous outside. ridiculous that Joshua Tree beat. Was it Joshua Tree? Joshua yeah. Tree beat. Beat Sonatimes. Yeah. Oh, that's some bullshit there. But yeah. he didn't have, but I, and I, I think that's why, because he wasn't a part of that shit, really. Like, they was like, you know what? I can understand bad, but Joshua Tree? Come on. Well, Joshua Tree isn't bad, but it's not Sign of the Times. I'm sorry. I mean, it, Sign it's of the Times. It's not bad not. either. No, it's not. It's not. Do, do, you, do you think, though, that the, the demo-ish quality of, the, of that album hindered it from I don't maybe- think so. No, Are you, no, no, no. I, I, no it, I mean, it had to be an all Prince or slurping of the U two. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I mean, you can't tell. You can't tell that those unpolished. It's Starfish and Coffee and the Ballad of Dorothy. Uh, the Ballad of Dorothy Parker. Those were nineties. Oh, I think Uh-oh. he's on dropping. We, we lost him. Hopefully, he drops in. I mean, well, I think I, one thing to that album. I'll let you finish. Is that. To me, when Sign of the Times came out, that was more of a black record to me, even though it was a big name by Prince. I don't think it was a super seller, but I remember, like, I think my dad, who was heavy R&B dude from, you know, funk dude, and he wasn't really messing with Prince that much. But I remember when Sign of the Times came out, he came to me, was like, yo, this is that album right here, like, 
he didn't really know I was in the prince. He's like, you need to get up on this right here. And I was like, well, what? Like, he's co-signing <laughs> this? I was like, okay. Because he don't listen to, if it ain't, you know, R&B, black influence, he's not messing with it. I was like, I thought it was interesting that he really got into that. And I think the album, again, there was no video. And videos played heavy into what was popping at that time. He didn't have no video for Sign of the Times. And so that album just sort of sat there for a little bit until you got the look came. And then it was like, oh, we got some visuals to go with this. Now we can pump it all over MTV. But at that point, it was like the album had already been out for a while. Yeah. And then the decision to release uh, If I Was Your Girlfriend as a single yeah. further tanked it. And then and that I was... put a video with that. And I think if he would have released... See, the thing is, if he would have made a video for that or if he would have made a video for Housequake and actually just released Housequake as a single, yeah. it would have blew up. Because people was... were already playing that record anyway, but it just it wasn't, didn't get no pump. I'm sorry, he should have released Adore and Forever in My Life. That's what he should have released. Yeah, I, you know. Again, he could have released anything, but without playing the game, playing Separate. the game by the rules, it wasn't going to work. So you can put out Sign of Times, but if you ain't got no video for it, it's not going to really get that much publicity. You can put yep. out any other single that's dope on there, but if you ain't got no video for it, it is as if you're not, you don't exist. And I and think also, that's what happened to him. When- when that came, when the U2 came out, that album or those three songs were everywhere. You know, they were blowing up on MTV. They had a little impromptu concert down in San Francisco for where the streets have no name and all that. Um, LA, excuse me, LA. And it was all over the place. And while the other songs on the album, I can't remember any of them. You know, I'm not saying I'm a big U2 fan, but I know, you know, a lot about their stuff. The Sign of the Times album, from front to back, it's all great. Yeah. It just well, he just wasn't out there promoting it, and that's on him. I'm not saying he was, you know, he was right or wrong, but that's just, you know, a lack of vision on his part. But at the same time, he was going through a lot of problems with the label because he wanted it to be Dream Factory, and, yeah. and what, he wanted to be three albums. They're like, hell no! So I had to go back and cut it, and then the band broke up, and it was it was really traumatic time for him. And also, I couldn't see Prince being in the USA for Africa anyway because to me, and I know I'm going to get shit for this, but to me. The USA for Africa, to me, was reactionary and contrived based off Band-Aid. Oh, Band-Aid, thank you. Thank to you, me, yes. Band-Aid was so organic and genuine and real, whereas USA for Africa was like, well, we want you, but we don't want you. So we'll take you, but not you. Fuck you. You know, if, if someone wants to be involved, let them be involved. Whereas with Band-Aid, it's like they did the making of it at the same time. You know, you see people from all walks of life walking in. There's Jody Watley, there's Duran Duran, there's Cool in the Gang, there's Phil Collins on the George. drums, Boy yeah. George. You know, now so, to me, and, Prince would have fit in that perfectly. And the, and Quiet as Kev, do you know? Do they know? It's Christmas time. It's better than We Are the World. I still jam light that years mm. better than that song. Oh, oh, oh we are pissed off, Mike. <laughs> I, I, I mean, <laughs> difference of opinion. I, the only part that's good is. And we are the world is Michael, uh, is Michael and Bruce Springsteen. Th- that's it. That's it. Everybody else, yeah. <laughs> Get the fuck yeah. out of here. But especially Cindy Lauper coming. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah but to, again, I just think I, I just think of, of what it meant, whether or not it's a better song or not. What it meant was a was a bad. It was a it was a wrong decision, in my opinion. It was a wrong decision to make. Whether he didn't really feel it or not, to go along with what was going on in the industry and to make a power play, that would have been the move, in my opinion. 
And I think that would have positioned him better when he needed the game to, to give him that extra little pump. Like, man, I got this dope ass album. I need y'all to support this. And they was like, no, we going over here, partner. You, you ain't a part. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, you're yeah, not a part of point. this. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, see, Prince is about the creativity and not the marketing and the bullshit backstage. That's why he said no. I, I, true, I agree. But I just think, I, you know, that's the whole point of my question is I wonder, you know, obviously it's a give and take for, for his moves. I mean, obviously he's still Prince and he's the man, but. Bad would have been big, but I don't think it would have been a good look for Prince. I mean, it, I, I'm just looking at that song. First of all, that song is crappy. Other than the beat. The song is crappy. And Prince being on that track would have been horrible. I would have been interested to see how he would have. It's hard to I mean, it's such an iconic track, whether you like it or not, but it's Michael Jackson. It's hard to hear how would Prince do on that. And I had this other thought, too. I actually don't think, and the other reason why I don't think Prince was on We Are The World or on Bad, because I don't think outside of a Prince record, and this is going to sound very weird, (laughs) but I don't think that he can exist. It's hard. He can't really be Prince outside of his own records, and he would sound weird. Yeah. 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 Well, well, if you look at Diamonds and Pearls and and the Symbol album, that is your proof. Don't start. Well, don't get me started on that. Even look at the, the song he did with Madonna. I thought it was supposed to be something way different. Now, that's a good song, but it's a Prince song. It's Madonna conforming to be Prince in, in his rules, as opposed to him going into something that he may not be producing. And that's something you never heard really back then, is him speaking or singing on anything that he did not write, play, and produce, mm-hmm. and was crafted to work with his vocals. I think he so, mixed, mixed himself out of that song somewhat. His, his, except for the part where he's talking, he's speaking, when they're singing together, it's almost like he's dropped himself down so much that it's all, he's almost unrecognizable in the song. Does that make you sense? you talking about love song? Lo- love song, yeah. Yeah, well, but it's still his sort of a song. Like He could I mean, sing that if, yeah, if he wanted to. Yeah, but I'm just saying, to. it just seemed like the, the end product wasn't princey. Yeah, it wasn't. As, yeah, it wasn't. You would expect far, that he was. They would Cole sing the song or something. But exactly, yeah. and it's like he mixed himself, kind of like he did Gwen Stefani on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> on Ray. Why well, have her on there if, if if her vocal isn't you know up there in the mix? Yeah, so it makes me well, wonder if the, he would have been able to do. How would he have? Because it's how would he have sung bad? You know, he, he's not. It just he's not singing the first lyric. <laughs> well, I guess not. <laughs> Yeah, that ain't gonna happen. Yeah, your butt is mine. But I mean, just it would have been epic. I mean, Quincy Jones, even if they had changed the song, I, Quincy, Mike, and Prince on a track, that would have been. I mean, even if the song sucked visually, the video it still would have been epic. Everybody would have remembered it because it's been. Like I think he didn't two- want to do it because he didn't want to be in the video and Mike towering over him. Yeah, you know Mike might have a cut like that. That's yeah. Mike, quite, quite <laughs> but and and I'll say this, Mike would have destroyed him on that video. Because it's Mike's song, so of course well, he's gonna no, destroy I, him. I don't care. <laughs> Mike would have destroyed him in any video. So, at that time. Dead? Wait, wait, wait. Dancing, wait, wait, wait. In oh, dancing, wait. Mike oh, would have destroyed. Oh no, I don't know about that. Because uh, when he comes up with Cat, he was you saw um 
um, the breakdown for, uh, I think I, it was Love Sexy. I, I, he was pulling out some moves that I was impressed with. I'm not saying he's not doing his thing. The Sign of the Times, that movie, he was doing his thing. But in terms of what Michael Jackson was doing, and any of them bad videos would have destroyed Prince. I don't, any Let's bad see. video, Mike destroyed it doing the, the physical dance and what he was doing. You have to give it up to that. Now, I, come on now. I'll give him that. But the thing is, you know, you could you could have that visual, and at the same time, Prince is like, okay, Mike, you got me there. Let me pick up a guitar. What's up? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he would have <laughs> had to do that. That would that, have been the well, only that's thing. That's part of his deal, though. Well, that's yeah. part of Prince. <laughs> let, me pick, let me pick up this bass and show you what's up. Okay? Yeah, let me go up to the drum kit and show you what's that. up. You know, yeah, that, Mike that would do that. But I think in terms well, I agree. He would have to pick up an instrument and, and go off like that because, like I said, the idea of them doing a dance off with the video was no, about he, he, no, he, he would have got to shut down. I can see why he was. I fuck that. Now, <laughs> this, going back to We Are the World, what part was Prince going to be involved in on that? Um, involved, involved in on that song? Was he going to sing or was he going to play a guitar solo or what? Well, see, he probably could have. But see, then again, everybody sort of did their stick. Exactly. That that's why, that's and what would have been Prince's stick? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would he have right what would he yeah. have done that's why yeah, I don't I think he would have worked I don't think he yeah, doesn't I couldn't see him on that track at all <laughs> what he did try to do a high falsetto or something or cause he didn't like, hardly sing yeah, in his low voice compromised to him playing guitar or bass that's what he just should have went with yeah it just did show that he was there and also, you know, like Quincy said, you know, check the ego at the door. You got Lionel, who was huge at the time. Yeah. You got right. Michael, who was running shit. And they wrote the song. So you're going to come in and tell Prince, you can't write this. Do what we tell you. Fuck you. No, that, that wasn't going to work. Yeah, but still, they had Bruce. They well, had, Bruce has been around a long time. Wasn't Bruce Ray Charles in there? Ray, Ray was out too. Yeah, Ray I mean, was they there. Had, yeah, yeah. They right. had legends yeah, in the game. And if Stevie can sit down and shut the fuck up and do it. But see, all those guys are, can at, sit down at that time, the those three guys were already iconic. Period. Prince was just really, really blown up naturally at that time. Which would Ray have, and right. Stevie and, and, and Springsteen already were legendary by that time. So Which they, would have been, a, that's back. what I'm saying. It would have been a good look for him to sit next to the legends. I agree. He got a co-sign and said, this is the next, this is the guy. He's the guy, you know, but again, he's still. But the thing is, he's, he's with Michael Jackson. Wasn't Madonna on that too? No. 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 Okay. Well, he's, okay. You can say he's with these legends. He's the next guy, but he's not going to when he's singing Michael Jackson's song. At the end of the day, he's singing Michael Jackson's song. Yeah, but nobody faults anybody else on there for singing Michael Jackson's song. Because he's Michael Jackson. (laughs) Well, right, but so I'm saying, like, that's why I said, right, but that's why I said there's no comparison in a sense because Michael was the man. There's nothing you're going to do about that. You're not going to outshine it. You're not going to, even if you did outshine it, the people ain't going to accept you outshining them anyway. So you go in there and play it as a strategic move and play the game. Like he's not going to be slighted for being That's in there. True. Nobody was slighted for being in there. It was heralded as an event of the time. But, but all of that is true. But all those legends, they didn't came, they didn't have their time. Michael Jackson, nobody in there was as bigger than Michael Jackson. People were arguing, arguing Prince versus Michael. And then Prince going to come in and sing his song his way? And play second banana? Nah, it's not going to work. But he was already playing not second banana. Not even second, because he got a, Springsteen is there. Cindy Lauper, who was hot at the time, was there. Uh, Lionel Richie, who just came off with a comeback. You had yeah. everybody who was in the game 
white or black, no any genre. Every time was you get there. Whoa, 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 I disagree with that, Mike. Oh, I disagree ahead. with that completely. That lineup to me was all AM radio. That's all it was. Because when you talk about a genre crossing over, where was country? Where was heavy metal? You well, know, you had okay, well, no, hell well, no. Well, hip hop, I want to go there. Hip hop wasn't big that big. You had Lionel Maybe Richie. Maybe they could have got Run DMC. They could have got Run DMC up in there. Okay, you had Lionel Richie, Stevie Wonder, Paul Legend. Simon, Kenny Rogers, James Ingram, <laughs> Tina Turner, Billy Joel, Michael, Diana Ross, Dionne Warwick, Willie Nelson, Al Jarreau, well, Bruce Springsteen, yeah. Kenny Loggins, Steve Perry, Daryl Hall, Huey Lewis, Cindy Lauffer. Kim Kearns, uh, Bill, Bob Dalen, and Ray Charles. Now that's all genres. That's pretty good. Line in there. I'll take that. That's and that's right. the music. That's the people who had the parts. Then you had the chorus: Dan Aykroyd, Harry Belafonte, uh, <laughs> Sheila E., Bob Gandalf, Bob Gandalf, uh, Randy Jackson, Randy really? Jackson, Jackie Jackson, Latoya, Randy Tito, Waylon Jennings, Bette Midler, Jeffrey Osborne. Uh, Anita Pointer, Smokey Robinson. So that's why I'm saying, like, there's no reason why he could not have been in there. Even if he was just in the video and didn't have nothing to do with Wait. the song, he should have been. That would that would have been a look. His business people, which I'm sure probably would, them cats behind him, was like, "Do you need to be up in there?" And he's probably like, "Nah, I'm I'm Prince." I'm. <laughs> And then you know he had the. So it's more know, like and, my name is Prince. Yeah, my name is Prince, and I got females in here, and and then well, they slapped up somebody that night. So it wasn't a good look because he was pulling a Tupac. He got in a little confrontation with somebody. Somebody got smacked up. So that's what what. That's why he should have run right after that incident. Let me get my behind right over here, make my little appearance, and then I'm out. But you know he had to. What did he have to do? He ended up giving them a song, which is a good song. And then he made another song about the incident because he knew he had to play. He had to. He was like, I fucked up. So let me go make a cut <laughs> addressing this so they get off my back. You know, which was the song. Hello. Right. Oh, love yep. that song. So, yeah. And he still gets static and people forget that he gave them a song. Be talented just to turn well, out a song talking it, shit about why was it in We Are The World. <laughs> but that just shows how much he knew it meant something to people where he had to. I, I got an answer for that. Why wasn't I there? So he's copping, please. That's how I see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think we lost somebody. Sean. Still there, Sean? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, it was Anthony. All right, any, any other um, things to add on this topic? Well, no, no. You know, I mean, clearly they're both different. They were both different cats at the time. Mike was all about the you know, manipulation of publicity as well. Yep. And Prince is like, I ain't talking to none of you. Fuck you. So that didn't help. That didn't help things at all either. Yeah, and I, sometimes I wish that he was a little more savvy back then, um, because he had such great material. But it, for us in America, it was a very limited look. Anything after, actually, anything after uh, Purple Rain, we we only got to glimpse it. You know, there was no. The after Pope Rain, the second major tour was Love Sexy. What what so, do you, what yep. do you what do you yep. think was the the biggest blunder of of the eighties? I, I have my opinion. I'm just curious what what you think his biggest mistake that he did in the eighties as far directing as directing under the cherry moon. 
Because you know I'm sorry, That's, and I know this might right. be blasphemous, but no. Under the Cherry Moon is a better movie than Purple Rain. It, it is. But he shouldn't have directed that film. I'll give you that. Yeah. a lot of good elements that could have made that a really good film. To me, it's a good film. It could have been a really great comedy film, but he shouldn't have directed that movie. So let, let well, let's look at it. what was so what was the problem with that movie? Because you're right, in my opinion, it is a far better. Well, see, here's the thing: it's a far better movie to fans of Prince than Purple Rain is. But I think to the general public, that was not what they wanted to see from Prince. No, exactly. I think, exactly. I think the thing is that when it came out that he directed it, and it wasn't what people wanted, it just the uh, the negative PR effect. I think that's what it is. He should not have had his name attached as director. That came with a negative connotation. And then the, the troubles that was going on around it. And people were like, oh, black and white. Oh, and it's like, yeah. If he had had, I ain't going to say he could have got him, but if he had had like a Scorsese or I'm like, who is uh, the Palm? I'm trying to, uh, Mike Robert La- Michael Landis. I think that's his name. Somebody, John, John, Landis. John Landis directed it. It was Zemeckis at the time. I don't know if he could have got him. That would have been, even the guy who did Purple Rain, if he had gotten him. Well, yeah, but see, I think the thing is, it's not a bad made movie. Like, the movie is fine. It's just that I don't think people were ready to see him in that sort of light. They were not. And the I... music, the music did not, it was not what the people wanted, aside from Kiss, which was only done as an afterthought, because yeah, I need a hit on this bad boy. And I love the music, don't get me wrong. But it is not what people associated with Prince or wanted to associate with Prince. They still wanted Purple Rain Prince. And not, I, him not giving them that, yeah. again, for a fan of me or Prince, and I sat through around the day with him and was into it, this is beautiful. I'm like, this is great. This is hilarious to see him act like this, but that's not what the general public wanted to see. I, I saw the uh, opening. Uh, I happened to be in Detroit with my mom when, um, when the film came out. So, <laughs> no lie, I saw it on a double feature with Crush Groove. So it was oh, hilarious. It was, it was Crush Groove and then on a Cherry Moon. And I know you guys know Detroit is like kind of a second home or whatever. Right. And he, he, he's got a big fan base there. They were not feeling it. That audience was not feeling the movie. And of course, Dentley, it was, it was probably a month after the historic birthday show that, that, uh, mm. that I saw. There's a couple of months. It was, you know, within two months. Uh, so probably some of the same people that were at the show were probably at the movie and they were not feeling it at all, <laughs> at all. Especially, you know, him, you know, with all the white women, right, yeah. they were not, they were not feeling that. Ooh. And I think, I think you guys did a show where you watched the movie, right? I think I yeah. remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, I think you guys touched on that a little bit. Uh, but yeah, that, that audience was talking to the screen. I mean, black people do that anyway, but they were like, <laughs> really, <laughs> really talking actually the funniest one where, is when um, they're picking out their outfits. Jerome's like, do you like the Benucci or the Versace? And Prince says, I don't know. I like that blue. Some dude yell out, we can't fucking see it. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. It's like, wow. Yeah, you know. I, about that. The, 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 <laughs> I remember that was a big contention. The, 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 the white women with a, with a girl not being, you know, of color. The movie not being of color. They're... You know some of the homophobic, I would say, homophobic things. homophobic things in that movie. It just did not play with the audience that was an audience of Prince. They Wait, didn't the- want to. That's not because none of those things are in Purple Rain. And if you listen oh, to the music, homophobic thing. Well, in terms of how tricky, 
and Prince are acting like the bathtub and like ah, you said. Yeah, well, I'm not saying it's, it's it's good or bad. I'm just saying I know that was an issue because I remember yeah. when I saw and I, I was a fan of Prince. Now I was kind of like, yeah, my Ooh. man, what are you doing, my <laughs> but man? This Come been on. Prince since what? Controversy, Dirty Mind. So yeah, I don't but think not that should acting. Be everybody but, question him. Yeah, but not yeah. acting like they were acting like that stereotypical. At least Jerome's character was a stereotypical sort of black. Now he wasn't gay in the movie, but he he acted like acted. it was very questionable. It was like, man, why am my man doing that? Like, and you and when you see Jerome, you think that's Jerome. Like yeah. he's playing tricky, and he's okay. And then you hear him, his tone of his voice now, girl. Uh, <laughs> it's already too many strikes going on here, and it's just like nah. And it's not like uh, like I said, his style. So maybe Papa it's just Rain under was, Cherry Moon at that time, at that period. Period. It should have been a color movie, and uh, again, the general public wasn't. It's not wasn't on on board for the ride. I think what he presented was excellent. The music was excellent. I understand what he was doing. You know, the, the very cinematic nature of the movie and the album and stuff and the music. But the public, they want to hear the cuts. They want to hear that Prince that made them feel good. It was a party and it was the jam. Even like with Kiss, it was a big hit because that was a great song. It's like, this is, recalls me back to the Prince I know. But uh, all that other stuff was a flop off that album. Not that it's yeah. not good music, but nobody. But if he, had, if he had, if he had taken Under the Cherry Moon and Venus de Milo off in favor of uh, Alexis de Paris and Love and the Money, Love or Money, that probably would have done it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why he. For some reason, I don't know what the deal is with Love or Money, but that's it's never appeared on. It, it wasn't on the B sides, uh, and it uh, wasn't on this recent b-side thing that came out not too long ago i don't know if he's not proud of that track or i mean that's probably one of my favorite b-sides uh of all time i i mean i could i rock that on a on a regular basis um but i think the the biggest uh blunder for me at least is is not touring for either taking parade or taking sign times on the road in the u.s probably parade more than sign times because i think he could have still build upon the Purple Rain hype. I mean, of course, the Prairie Tour is the antithesis to the Purple Rain Tour, but not not touring for that during that time, I think just what probably was the biggest mistake that he made in, in the 80s during that time frame. Now, why was that band, the, the Parade Band, why did that tour go to Europe and Japan and really sporadically hit here? Why didn't he do a, a full range tour because, here? Is, because is, the, is that how they broke up? The album flopped. The album flopped here. The movie flopped. The album flopped. So Prince didn't want to tour. Fuck. There was no point of touring for an album that had already flopped. Yeah, I would say, I think, and I, I agree with everything you said. I think for me, my the greatest blunder was was the release of Under the Church. No, excuse me. Was the release of Around the World in the Day. Oh, you don't let Ken hear that. <laughs> the and, album? The album. And I say that because this is a great album. But that's a good. I don't think that the general public. That's not the album they wanted. That was the point, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I know. I mean, he made his point. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not arguing. With yeah. That. So, yeah. <laughs> but I think the reason why it was not Purple Rain and not even close to the success of that is because those songs on there, you know, artistic, out of the ballpark. I'm not arguing that point. 
but I don't think it's accessible to people. Uh, aside from well, Raspberry Beret, Raspberry Ray is a great song, but it was hard to pull anything else out of that that could have, uh, aside from Pop Life. Pop but Life, again, though. he's not releasing this. Well, he's, again, he does release that song, but he doesn't do a video. Doesn't no video, right. So he's already, at that point, it's me where he started. Everything he's doing today started with that album. Like He's going against the grain of what people's expectations are off of his huge success. And for him wanting to be the guy that I'm not going to repeat it and I'm going to do something different, I, I mean, I get that, and he's making his point. But I just think if he would have came with an album that was a little bit loaded more with just the jams that people were anticipating from him, it would have went a long way to him never having to always play catch-up again or, uh, okay, here's Under the Cherry Moon now. Uh, you know, this is another shot. And I think... I think to the general public, each one of those albums until you got to Sign of Times was a disappointment. It was, it, was, it was like, okay, you got one song that's good, the rest is crap. And I think that's where that came in. And then when you get to Sign of the Times, which is could be in five years later or more, you've had the movie disappointment. First you had Under Trade, I mean, Round the World in a Day disappointment. A lot of people jumped off the boat at that point. Yeah. Uh, the parade disappointment. Oh man, Kiss, Prince is back. This is the shit. And now, when you go see the limited performances that he does do at that time, dope. You're like, oh, yeah. shit. He's about to be the shit. He's the shit. Well, how do we forget? You know, he you know, looks different, but this is amazing. That Detroit concert is a testament to that. Now, when the movie drops and the rest of the album drops, <laughs> it's over. <laughs> yeah, go, to, go to Europe. Go, yeah, go, go to Europe. Then so, when Sign of the Times comes, real quick, when Sign of the Times, whoa. This song is different from Prince. It's not a fast-paced song. He's speaking of some real issues. No video. Drops that album. There's a lot of dope songs on there. The only caveat is that it's a double album and it's a little more expensive than everybody else that's out at the time. And, and Warner Brothers is right. I don't know if we can sell this and make a lot of money off of this because it's going to be expensive, man. And then, again, not putting the singles out there's no performance yet. MTV didn't come along for a little bit. And then, oh, okay, I'm going to do it. We got this dope-ass tour. You see a glimpse of it in Rolling Stone magazine if you're paying attention. <laughs> yep, yep. You see a glimpse on MTV when he does Sign of Times and playing the, sunshine. playing the Sunshine. Then that's it. He disappeared. And then months later, they come with Sign of Times movie. But that's the... Too little, too late. So I, I, I when I when I saw Sign of the Times the movie, there were five people in a the theater versus when I saw Purple Rain and Under Cherry Moon to a, to a packed house, and I remember sitting there going, "Where'd everybody go?" Wow. See, <laughs> I, I had an interesting. I think I spoke about this before, but I saw that movie here in Seattle. I don't know why they did this. Well, actually, I know now because it was. Put out by Complex Odeon. Yeah, Cineplex Odeon. Cineplex Odeon. They had a big yeah. uh, movie theater here, but for whatever reason, they pre. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm not say they premiered this movie, but they showed the movie here in Seattle weeks before it came out. And I remember um, the only reason I knew about it because I used to back in the days when we read the newspaper and you always had that Friday pullout section. Right. There was. I remember I was at school with Tobias, and we had. I had got the paper before I went to school because I wanted to see the movie pictures, and in there was an ad. And it had Prince standing in front of a heart 
with Cat, who I didn't oh, really I know. Have Kat. That. I have that. Yeah, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And it said, Saturday night, such and such. I was like, I'm there. And I worked at McDonald's. I, I was like, I'm not going to work. Like, <laughs> I have to see what this is. I don't know what this is. And I remember going to the theater, and it was packed. And it was, dude was like, yeah, this is a concert movie, Prince. And we're, we're going to be the first people to show it to you guys. We want to see what you think about it. And it was all black people. I went, I sat at the very front, and he shut it down. And it was, and for a lot of people in there, had they had not seen Prince since Purple Rain. And just their reactions, what they were saying, was just like, first, some parts they were laughing. Because he looked totally different, and he was just jumping around. I remember when Hot Thing came on, and it shows the co- the outfit that he wears. Yeah, the yeah. audience laughed. <laughs> it just was like, ha! like he looks. <laughs> it was like this guy is crazy. Like he just, they were like, Prince is crazy, but it was dope. But you even, had, the, you, even the boots matched. Yeah, uh... it, it was exactly, and it was like this guy. He's on some <laughs> other stuff, but the dude was funky as hell. It was like everybody walked out. They're like, damn, this nigga is dope. And then it didn't come out. And I remember when it did come out, and just like you, when I went to go see it, the night it came out was maybe half half full at best. Uh, and people were sort of talking through it. And I was like, no. I was like, when they see this, they're going to lose their minds. And most people just couldn't appreciate it. I don't know. It just was like, oh, this is cool. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, so, so to me, his biggest blunder will always be Around the World in Day. Not that it's not a great album. It's just, I think, wrong timing. For something like well, that. looking back on it now, which album would you have uh, released? Would you have went to Under the Cherry Moon or Sign of the Time? Under the Cherry Moon. Well, oof, that's tough. Because you still have the same you know, core group there, and they were still together. I would have just flip-flopped them both and then let Around the World and Day come out, and then the band breaks up, and then he just goes off into Never Neverland and breaks out Sign of the Times with a whole new vibe with it, but he's got a tour behind it. That's the thing. You can't have two albums back to back and not and no tour. After Purple Rain, he probably could have released a number of things. I just think that you have to have follow through. Like even if he did around the world day, he should have immediately had a video, boom, you know, right out the gate, and it should have been performances right out the gate. Because when when I saw the America video, and at that point there had not been any Prince performances on TV since Purple Rain. You think back and look at that. There was yeah, there was yeah, no yeah. other, no, right. there was no chances we ever had to see him unless you saw him in concert. And that was such a kick-ass performance. I, I mean, it blew me away. I didn't know he got down like that. And if he would have started the promotion of the album with that, he could have released America and they blew it and shot it down. Even if it yeah. didn't go to the top of the charts, we would have had a visual. Like, God damn, gotta go see him in concert. This guy is a beast. But. That came toward the, you know, that came at the album. That was, was, eight, that was 85 because he was, he was filming on the Cherry Moon. Yeah, that, that was, album was, that was just doing a break. Exactly. And the album was already dead at that point. And I was like, ah, damn. And, but he, he did a great job of leaving us sort of wanting a lot more. Like you see these little glimpses, like, ah, damn, what's after this? Boy, when he got on them drums, that was the first time I'd ever seen yeah. him play drums. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Prince? That's you? That's you? Can't see you over the kit, but that's you back there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, he he started that sort of traditional. He, he had the trench coat, but he had the big hat on. It's like, okay, it's a little different. And then when he whips it off, you see he cut all his hair off. He was like, oh, shit. And then he was the band. Or, you was, mean, or remove the wig. Hilarious. 
<laughs> some people theorize. But it was like it was a whole look and it was stripped down, but it was funky as hell. And they was just going hard. And you was like, damn. And then they broke it down. Boom, it was like, it's like that. <laughs> Y'all want some more? It was done. I mean, he just he totally got the James thing down. He, obviously, his stage presence was so much more commanding. I mean, it was he shut it down. But again, had nothing to follow that with. I, agree. I, mean, I go back and forth on what is his best bands, but I really do have appreciation for that uh, Parade Revolution band. They they killed it. They really do. I re- I know everybody talks about Love Sexy Sign of the Time band, but that uh and, and the original Revolution, but the Counter Revolution band, oh, they, were, woof, yeah, they, they were, were bad. Dope. They were dope. Thing is, though, after he did the America performance, which you know was mind altering. We don't see anything. And then that was late 85. And then spring 86, I'm in college as a freshman. And I hear about him playing with Sheila E. in San Francisco. I couldn't get away. But then it comes out on home video that summer. Yep. And I saw that. Yep. I'm like, okay, when is the fucking tour? I'm there. No tour. Yep. I agree. No. That that was another. He, he blundered it. It was like. That was a big thing. And then, you, you know, we saw, obviously, Sheridan, Wyoming. You know, and I was like, okay. But okay, yeah. how did MTV rig that? How the hell would you send go to Wyoming? Well, they well didn't I think rig they it. didn't rig problem. it. Yeah, that's the point. They didn't <laughs> rig it. I'm saying, why would you not? Like, <laughs> <I'll just> not <laughs> <laughs> when you see Sheridan, Wyoming, like, yep, yep really? I'm Florida, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a testament, though. The great thing about that, I love about that, is that it goes to such a sort of country you know sort of place but prince still rocked it like they still recognize like this guy is dope like they may not necessarily knew who he was but when he came in there and shared in wyoming yeah shut him down like you still did his thing I I, I, I I like that part about it do you guys remember the people magazine cover he's got the yellow suit on yep. and it says would you let your daughter date this guy or something like that i still have that somewhere in my my prince archives they got the pictures of like her getting ready and mm-hmm. him picking her up in the limo. And I remember that night. I remember sitting sitting at home watching it and like I say and at that point, that's kind of the first time we had seen the the, the counter revolution and the and the horns and the and uh Jerome, uh I forget the other two guys' names. Uh Brooks you know and Stafford. Brooks and Stafford, that's right. Useless. Both of them useless. Uh, <laughs> and just seeing, you know, him dancing more, the whole, you know, even doing the, the toothbrush thing, which I don't Understand, don't get that still to this day, but it was just something, you know, <laughs> just something different that we hadn't seen. And I'm like, wow, this guy's just, he's, he's moving it to another level. You know what he, what they were doing? It was a, a conscious, in my opinion, it was a conscious effort to change his image. So if you just look at that, that magazine article, obviously that is an article in conjunction with Prince and his management, right? How would they get those pictures and, and, know yeah. and all. but the whole thing with that, MTV thing again is another conscious effort to make him more relatable to people. Right. So we yeah. literally just pick somebody out of the blue, and then the way that he interacts, the way he interacts with uh, what's the girl's name, the host, Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart. Like you actually, this is the first time you heard Prince speak Martha when he's Quinn. not playing a Martha. character. Right. He's actually laughing. And acting a fool, we had never seen that. It was totally against his proper image. She, 
She asked him, how do you feel? I feel with my hands. Exactly. And he, and he just, he just all of a sudden just pops up. You know, he's very, we all, he was very talkative. You know, it was, it seemed like but, he was hella cool. And I think that was on purpose. So he was almost playing Christopher Tracy. Well, that's what he was doing. But, I mean, that's what the whole tour kind of was. Right. But I'm saying that was a, I think it was an effort. Like the question of that article was saying, he's not this over-sexualized dude that looks mad. <laughs> you know that we've seen purple rain yeah. and all this now here he is he's presenting himself to middle america like hey actually he's not a bad guy he's actually really here he is with a white girl from hoboken wherever <laughs> taking her on a prince taking her on a date and he seems cool very charming sort of young man you know what i mean like i think there was a conceited yeah. effort to do that now that movie flops so he says f that <laughs> and you never see that side from <laughs> him again but i just thought it would be interesting if the movie had been successful if he would have continued and he would have saw probably some interviews with, I mean, obviously again, he does his first interview on tape during this period, just before this period. Right. I think it was an effort for them to change his presentation during, to us. It was, it was during the, uh, uh America thing, right. That video. It was during that same time. And, and it, as I thought, I think it was probably pressuring him to like, dude, you have to like change the image a little bit. And so people can sort of know who you, what you're about, you know, who you are, speak to them. You can't just do it now. Ultimately, he probably was like, see, it didn't work. You know, I'm going to go back to not saying shit. <laughs> and, and I'm not going to be, you know, you're not going to get access to me. But I thought that was very interesting that if that would have been successful, I wonder if they would have saw a different prince following that. That prince doesn't come back until emancipation to the public guy. Or, uh, yeah. yeah or he's, right. he's speaking and he's like, damn, he's all over the place. Right? He's shut up. Like, he's on every show. <laughs> but he's the same sort of dude. If you look at, it. I mean, it was probably more so who he really is. But I think he wanted his his prince image is not to be speaking and be very mysterious. And that was the one time I think he lifted the mysterious part in the heyday, but then shut it back down and went right back to it. Yep. Going back to the counter revolution, you know, I was all set to say the Sign of the Times band was the best band, followed second or closely by. Um, my name was Prince Band minus Tony M and the game butt boys minus those guys. But when I saw the parade warm up DVD, they to steal from Mike, they shut it down. That performance was amazing. And then he starts calling out Paul Punk of the Month. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is the band <laughs> I want to see. You have a DVD of that? Do I say that? It's on one? tape. Are we are oh. we recording? We okay, are. I, yeah, yeah. We, I need oh, to it's to say that. It, it, it's safe to say that. You know, I, I acquired it from a source that I cannot <laughs> recall their name now. I have yes. it as well. The one of the other parts, and I got this from uh, Big Sexy. There's one the performance of Paisley Park on that show blows me away. Like, I wish they would have recut that for like a record or something, because that to me makes that song magical. I, just if you have to go back and hear that performance and then they do the real long sort of vamp breakdown with, the, with the horns, right? Yes. Yes. That yes. Is just yes. Magical man. Like, God yes. Damn. That's how that song should have been released <laughs> on the record. Just amazing. You, you can see Wendy was a huge part of the band too. Yeah. Maybe Prince had a problem with that. I don't know, but she was just out there too. I'm like, this is, this is bad here. We can do this. And there was no, no Tony M. Oh God. <laughs> Oh, he's terrible. I can't watch The Undertaker to this day and not cringe. Oh, he's just so bad. But, okay, yeah, uh, Big Sexy, I, I got to highlight you for some of those. 
Like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, but I, I don't know if you heard, there was a, there was a, a concert he did in France in 1981. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it was yeah. 80, maybe it was 80. You mean the and I heard... I got that. The Dirty Mind. Yeah, I, 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 I watched it, and oh my, I, I got to give props. That original band was dope, too, when they made the switch to Lisa. That band was dope. I, I, I was uh, listening to uh, uh, Dirty Mind, and uh, <clears throat> what was the one? Um... Sexy Dancer, they kill it. So it's like I always go between which band is the best, but I, I got to give the edge to, I guess, love. I guess it must be my blackness has to go with the Love Sexy Sign of the Time band. But yeah, I, I always uh, go back and forth over those. I, I, think for, I think for me, I would also go with the Counter Revolution just because I think with the Sign of the Times, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the parade tour being as loose. As it was, there was kind of, even though it probably wasn't improv, they, we, it was probably real regimented, but it just seemed like they were having fun and able to breathe songs out a little bit yeah. versus the versus Silent Times where, I mean, I've heard, you know, pretty much most of the, a lot of the shows from different tour or different cities and every performance sounds exactly the same, you know, really? give or take for the most part, yeah, for Sign of the Times, yeah, for the most part. He didn't really, he didn't change the set list at all for the most, I mean, I think he added, he did Dorothy Parker maybe three or four times, uh, added, uh, I think it's four combined with that. Uh, but for the most part, the set list never changed. Uh, whereas Parade, it, it, the middle section was the part that changed a lot. It always started the same, it usually ended the same, but the middle part, was always stuff was interchanged out. Uh, sometimes he'd do head for like 10 minutes, the song, not anything else. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes it'd be five minutes. You know, they do the, the, the punk of the month chant one show, then he, he'd vamp on the guitar, another show, or he'd do like he did at the birthday show where he's, you know, making love to the mic basically. So there was a lot of looseness with the parade tour, which I think gave the band, a chance to kind of stretch out too. I mean, I always love when he, he would always call out for Eric to give him the horns on head. Eric, give me some horns. Dun, 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 I mean, woo! He's killing it. <laughs> I, I, I think there was a, I think it was the, the Paris tour or it might have been another uh, uh, stop he did in uh, France for a parade where he did, uh, uh, Wendy did lead vocals for Manic Monday. Yep. And yep. yeah, that, that, was, that was killer too. That was actually, I think that's Hamburg that, that she did that. Uh, but yeah, wow. yeah. Well, I know my stuff. Yeah, I mean, to me, just the original version of uh, Beautiful Night, like, I don't know, whatever show that's from. Paris. That, Paris. that was dope. Like, I was yeah. like, yeah. that's a hit bus. Except, except for Brown Marks dancing. Good Lord. That but he's doing that marching and stuff. I'm like, uh, dude, was jamming, man. Like, you gotta have some two-step rhythm to you. <laughs> but you know, I, I would say, uh, I would think that uh, I think the Sign of Times, Love Sexy band, was the most versatile. I think in terms of the actual concerts they had to play, they played it pretty, re- you know, pretty rigid. But I think the greatest sort of instance where you can see how they were probably more skilled in actually probably super, super tight was that performance, that whole 15, 20 minute section of the New Year's Eve 
show with Miles Davis. Yeah. When they bring yeah. Miles up, and first they st- I think they start with uh, whatever they start with be- uh, Beautiful Night, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. But when they go into that other stuff they're doing after that, and you just look at Prince and you see him, he's just dropping the little hand movements, and the band will just deviate into some other shit, and boom, beep, and then all those little. Uh, to me, I think I swear he's giving us so many snippets of all these unreleased sort of crap that they had at that point, you know, with the whole Muhammad Ali thing. And then when they break it down and all that little stuff was so tight to me. I was like, those cats was on fire. Like you can tell they had so much material to draw from and he had them all. They all knew the material and he could jump into any of it at any time. At the, just like you said, a hand gesture. Yeah. And it was just like, boom. And Luke. I could see he was, let me see if, if Miles can handle this. <laughs> I, I thought that was a little disrespectful, but I was like, this guy is a nut. Like, he got that band so ill. Like, he could have a legend icon come up there. It's a testament to, to Miles Davis not to sound like he didn't, was lost or something, to be able to at least go along and had no idea where they were going, at least. But it goes into, I mean, I'm not, Ken could speak on that, but obviously that goes into Miles Davis, bitches brew and all that stuff. He, that's, he doing that in the back of his hand anyway. He know all that. He can jump all over the place. But I just thought that band was dope. And of course, the after shows, that band got to do the after shows. And that's where you uh, really I mean, got to hear them going crazy and doing their thing. But go ahead. Far be it for me to, to, to disagree with the great Michael D. Oh, no, go but, ahead. I love it. <laughs> but I have to disagree. That, uh, that, that the, the counter-revolution, I thought, was more versatile. Really? I, the Love Sexy band was tighter. They were more enthusiastic. They had more rhythm. They, they, I mean, as far as performance, I think they were better. But as far as versatility, I mean, they were, they were grooving. They could rock. They could do blues. I, I think the kind of revolution band was a little more versatile. And that's saying much because I'm not a big fan of Brown Mark. Well, the only reason I would disagree with that is, is, is there's only one reason, and that's Sheila E. You know, Sheila, and no disrespect to Bobby, but Sheila plays circles around him, and she can do anything. Yeah. That is true. That is true. Now, you put Sheila in the counter-revolution, that's it. Hands down, that's it. The counter-revolution, but, I'm only saying in the sense of the counter-revolution, I don't think they would have been able to do small club and it had been so, like, off the cuff and been dope. Like, it could have been an album. I don't know if they would have been able to play it like that. Personally, I think they had to be very, they had to be very rehearsed in what they were doing, but they couldn't just draw from all this extensive music knowledge and just be barreling into wherever he was going and changing the flow of those songs like that. I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of what I was saying too, about how it seemed like they were improving on the parade tour, but they probably were not, you know, (laughs) just, they had been practiced and, and trained and so, so well, that he could just, you know, point two, you know, give two or whatever, and then they go into something that seems like, oh wow, they're just they're just riffing, they're just jamming. Well, but you can listen actually... to the rehearsals. And, and don't you think you're thing. underselling Wendy, Lisa, and uh, uh, Fink? No, no, no I no. don't think so. No. And Fink was there for the sign of times. Yeah, Fink was in that band. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's what I, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and, but I, I think I, I don't know. I, I just feel like um, Miko and uh, what's the What's my guy? Levi. Levi and Prince. Like, I think there's a, as much as I'm not, listen, Wendy is, can't compare. But I just think in terms of the music that they were going for, would Levi 
what I assume Levi and Miko already sort of had in them. They knew a lot of that. They have those soul roots and those rhythmic roots. I just don't think Wendy necessarily has that just inbred in her. Now, I think she's ill as hell. But then to compensate, then to put in Sheila, who already, her chops, you can't, you're not going to mess with her chops. And, and then you add in Prince, who, again, you're not going to mess with the history of his chops. And Eric and them dudes. So I think, and a lot of them were in that same band, but I think when you put them all together, they also complement each other so well that they can just, okay, you can take it or you can take it. And, and they already know what the other person's going to do. Like you could say, he can throw in, give me the Crips and the Bloods. And they know what the hell he's talking about. Yeah, that's, you know yeah, I mean? that's what I mean. Um, I had to throw this in real quick uh, since you guys were talking about Fink. I uh, I interviewed uh, Fink for my blog uh, a while back, and I had asked him what was his favorite tour uh, that he played on. You guys want to take a guess to see what what tour it was his favorite? Great, love sexy, controversy, none of purple rain. He said purple rain was his favorite tour. What? I I. That's what he said. <laughs> I did, and I also asked him if, if the band had uh, any creative input when it came to the tours, set lists, uh, or arrangements. And his answer was short, but he said we, we had input on some arrangements. And I asked him to elaborate, but he didn't. So, And then I asked him, what was the one song that he never got tired of playing the entire time that he was with Prince? Anybody want to take a guess? And it will, it will surprise you. Well, head, I don't know. No. <laughs> Computer Blue? No. Wait, 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 wait. The entire time he was with Prince, I never got tired what, of what playing was, What was the one song he never got tired of playing? I'll say Purple Rain. No. no. Say, I, I would be say, a lover. Nope. I would say, think about it, because Fink was there up until 90, so that's a lot of music to account for. So I would say something along the line of, not not a big single. I'm thinking something like, uh, oh, God, When You Were Mine or something like that. No, it was Darla Nikki. I was close. Oh, Shit. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was Darla Nikki. He said that was the one song he never got tired of playing. Because, you know, he has that big solo. You know, he had that solo at the end um, yeah. uh, on the Purple Rain tour. So that was why. Oh, okay. Huh. I just thought that was interesting. I don't think they ever played that song after Purple well, no, they did, which yeah. was which was kind of weird too. You would think it would be. I would have figured it had been Head because he had the solo in that too. Yeah. But, but he's a darling Nikki. Wow. Hey, but real quick, I've been a. I kind of got into an argument with somebody on this, but am I the only one that hears uh, Michael Jackson's "Dirty Diana" and says that's Little Red Corvette? Yeah. Yeah. What? What? Say that again. Dirt, that uh, that uh, Michael Jackson ate Little Red Corvette for a "Dirty Diana." The actual song itself, yeah, maybe. Oh, I maybe the mm. beginning a little bit. The like the the, the, the tone, some of the lyrics, um, the way how it's it comes in slow and subtle yeah. and then amps I, up uh, for I, the chorus. I've never. I think that's little. That's his little Ray Corvette. Now that you say hmm. that, I can I can hear what you're talking about, but I w- would have never put two or two together. Yeah, oh, interesting. I never would have thought about that. Yes. I don't know. I never know. I never listen to it the same way. That's maybe what I bring. He, maybe he thicked it. Maybe uh, <laughs> he thinks it. <laughs> through. Get a t-shirt with that. <laughs> yeah, we should, hey, we should copyright that. We may have to do that. Oh, I, know. I, better, I better go talk to EMI. We first. got a lawyer. 
Man, he thicked it, man. <laughs> Robin Thicke said, oh, you stealing from me. I said, I never heard of you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Like, I, I know your daddy, but... Yeah, well, I know your daddy. Actually, we'll put this shirt out and counter him at the same time. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you.